0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, joined today by Simon Carmel, sat next to me, and uh, Norman Riley on the line from London. Lads, thanks very much for joining us on uh during the good work, good run so it's always nice to talk about football when you're winning games which we will be for a long time to come i'm sure um we've got brighton this weekend which is a massive game for a number of reasons and also evokes a lot of memories from march uh in probably probably one of the best games i've ever been to as a fan i don't think that's um exaggerating i don't know how it was watching it on telly side but it was pretty much the best thing Ever to be there and and tick a lot of boxes. Yeah,
2: we're dead jealous. So we watched it at Bens, me, Coley, and uh, and Ben, and we we're dancing around his living room for about ten minutes.
1: <laughs> More on that later. So we've got we've got a couple of general things to go through today. Go through today. Even um, I'm going to pick the brains of the lads on a on a few points, and the first of which size listening to uh, listening to the Radio Five live today and um, the general. We've talked a lot about on the podcast the media coverage of Newcastle and we've, we've in fact um, kicked off about it a lot I think it's fair to say there's definitely been a, a change in the attitude towards <coughs> Rafa and the team which is to be expected after three wins um, but I can't remember who it was it might have been Steve Claridge made the point that although we we're doing very well he reckoned we had the easiest start of all of the teams in the Premier League. Now, I don't. I don't profess to no. know. I mean, it looks to me like Palace have had a pretty pissed start, and they've not they not scored a goal. But parking that for a second, because I'm sure Steve did his research. Um, is is it the case? I'm just starting to try and potentially doubt myself here if we if we look at the games we've had. Is nine points from five from those five games, say, si, kind of not? It's it's still great because winning games in the Premier League's always great. But is it is it potentially kind of a little bit more benchmark and what we should have been expecting than maybe the likes um, of me and you at the weekend <laughs> or, or, or saying when we're going absolutely nuts and saying we're going to win the league.
2: <laughs> um, I, I think there's a little bit in that. I, I, that that's, you don't want to admit it because it's been such a good three three weeks, three three wins in a row over, not three weeks, but um, yeah, if you look at the fixtures we've had, including a defeat to Huddersfield, nine points is probably about what you'd have hoped from the first five fixtures. Maybe ten points from the first six if if we if we go ahead this weekend, Um, because at the end of the day we've we've had one top six team and four bottom twelve teams. So three wins. I mean, it 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 goes back to last season um, where Rafa just wouldn't draw a game, would he?
1: For the first half, yeah. First half, I think for the first twenty three games, we had one or two draws. We had the Villa draw, and that was it. Possibly in the first half of the season, just the one draw so you expect to win to win either win or lose a game under
2: Rafa um, I don't know if if it wasn't for the transfer window hoo-ha and all the like the, yeah. the doom and gloom that came out just after that we wouldn't probably be as ecstatic about the three wins as if we'd just had a normal summer we'd be alright three wins I oh, don't be- know like
1: I think if we'd had a class transfer window and three wins would literally be I'd be buying I'd be putting money into a villa well, exactly, in, in, exactly. in Spain just knowing that would get yeah. a Spanish team at some point
2: but, I don't know, like, if, we, if we'd had a class transfer window and we'd be, beaten. People three, would just be more buzzing. We'd People three. would just be even more buzzing,
1: like, and won three games in the bounce. Uh,
2: I don't know, I know what you're saying, but, um, I, yeah. Uh, before, before the the rubbish started having the transfer, and I think even at the when, when the fixture list first came out, um, you kind of looked at it and thought, after those six games, we could be top. <laughs> so I'm
1: disappointed that we're fourth, because... It, it's but you're not though, because I'm giving you a hypothetical. You're, yeah. you're answering with a hypothetical I just see you answer it
2: honestly. <laughs> we're not disappointed because on the thirty first of August we thought fucking hell, like it's all gonna go to shit here. Yes. And, and yet it hasn't. Um, so <laughs> I don't really know what the answer to your question is. Yes, well, it's, well, it's it's it is a benchmark. I think nine points from these five games is what you can expect from a, from a rough
1: Newcastle. All right, Norman. I'll throw that over to you. Do you agree, disagree with size assessment there? With with, I agree
3: with, the, with most of it. Um, what I would say is, Claridge saying that you know we should expect to have about this amount of points after the five fixtures that we've had. If you look at the league table last season, and we've said this before, Southampton finished eighth on forty-six points. So who the fuck do you expect to take points from, and who do you expect to beat, and who do you expect to lose? There's, there's almost like there aren't any any kind of givens if you look at look at last season. So to have nine points after the first five games, I've looked at looking at the fixtures. Against Spurs, even the most optimistic of us, I think we would have been really happy with a draw. Yeah. We lost, and you think, well, it's Spurs, they're a brilliant. insight. they've been consistently brilliant for two, three seasons now, and um, that's that's no biggie. Huddersfield and Swansea, were here. before the matches again, I mean, fair in mind, yes, the, the transfer window, the 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 the, strength in the squad, which you know I think we have actually strengthened the squad. Um, would we have taken would we taken a draw from each of those games? I probably. Um, West Ham and Stoke at home, again, games that you you think, oh yeah, we expect to win those, but then you look at Stoke, a week earlier, they've drawn two each at home to Man U, put in a really good performance, um, so, at this point, I would, have, I would have been happy with, really happy with eight points, the fact that we've got nine, and we've got Brighton away, and uh, Liverpool at home, games that I think, I can see us picking up four points in, I think, um, I think it's, It's been a brilliant start, especially when you take into consideration, as Simon mentioned, the the kind of Ferrari that was um, that was raised during the transfer window. Like you know, Rafa was supposedly on the verge of walking. Everyone was pissed off. Uh, There was you know disunity at the club. So I think we've had an excellent start. And I think, regardless of who we played, the fact that we've got nine points is is really positive. And also, uh, other teams. Now, I've looked at Brighton's fixtures. They've got four points. I mean, should they have had more points at this stage of season? Should Liverpool have had more points? They're, they're on eight at the moment, in, in eighth, they're home to Burnley. It's just, it's difficult to see how many points we should and shouldn't have. So to have nine from the first five games, I'm very happy.
1: Yeah, good points, I think, especially on the, the away win one. Um, the, you know, the fact that Watford will win two out of our last 30 or something away games in the Premier League, you know, um, any win away from the away from home in the Premier League, it doesn't matter. Literally any any of those twenty teams that win away from home, <coughs> excuse me, has got to be viewed in a massively positive light. But you're you're also right that if we're taking a point from both Huddersfield and Swansea, no no one will be complaining. Particularly the start Swansea have had, uh, Huddersfield have had. So I mean, yeah, I think I think we all broadly agree that we're all over the moon with with how we've how we've started the season. Um, uh, to you know to to answer that the original question a little bit from. The, from Claridge was you know basically I, I, I do get what he's saying and it, it's one of those things that we won't know we can't answer that question until maybe five games time six yeah. games time we can't answer that question until what comes next because we've got Brighton Palace and Burnley to come and Southampton you could even lump Southampton in yeah. in the next five games with Liverpool being the other game if we continue to pick up points at the rate we have against those type of teams like you say yeah, the bottom 12 even if we get humped off Liverpool which we won't we'll smash them but like that would that would that would mean that you know yes he would have expected to take points in those games because i think it was um was it Raphael honigstein i think on on um the total football podcast this week basically he he put it forward that that little vacuum that everton encountered last season below the top 6 is well and truly up for grabs he put between the likes of newcastle burnley everton southampton he kind of he, he's you know so we've got we've got pundit's already putting us in that little gap of four you know, or that seventh position, that seventh to eleven position. Yeah. If that's the case and we do reach that, then absolutely you'd say that we're probably expect to take points in those games. But let's not forget some Newcastle fans and a lot well, pretty much all of the pundits would take to be relegated with plenty to spare. So <laughs> I suppose it's just more an a uh, um an an advert for like how people just don't basically have a clue what's either going to happen um or happen in the future. So
3: season uh, the points I'd set them at, forty finishing eighth on forty six points suggest that in that group of twelve teams it is
1: incredibly difficult to predict who, who you know who you're gonna beat and who you're gonna lose to. Yeah it's yeah. like I said, sorry, go on so, rougher so,
2: so Rafa winning games where I think you said it before, you take draws in games, Rafa doesn't take draws. If you go to Swansea away, he's thinking how can I win this? How can I take three points, not Absolutely. one? Absolutely
1: Right. I think that's gonna that's
2: gonna add up to why why we'll be better than than most of the of the the bottom twelve, as you say.
1: Tony Pulis he is not. Um, I think we're gonna no. all agree agree on that one. The, the funnily enough, Tony Tony Pulis is like hugely popular and kind of idolised by a lot of the media. Is like you know the him and Allardyce are the like the ideal managers, aren't they? Kind of know their place. Uh, don't get to you know don't don't create too many upsets and more than happy with just surviving every season. That's their main aim um are,
3: are, you, are you insinuating that the um the British media make you slightly xenophobic when it comes towards um managers of British football teams
1: <laughs> I would say that um I would say that Marco Silva had his fair share of uh, detractors last season for for literally no reason considering he's taking over a team that were in freefall. <laughs> he was taken over a team that were in free fall and had to sell all his best players and he was still considered to be a bad appointment by some but uh enough about him um lads very quickly want to touch on Tim Krull uh, announced today that he's signed for Brighton on a on a permanent transfer ahead of uh, our game there on Sunday so I come to you about this some people are kicking off are you about the, t- I, I, about the timing of it rather than the actual move
2: I was about to say I don't care I don't, what's the timing got to do with it who cares yeah. who cares man <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry but like Tim Krull was class he was class when we finished 5th he was class about 5 years ago um, he's not really done much for the last three years it's hard to get that emotional about a player who, whose time's been and gone I mean it. it, it if you think back to like when Czech left left to play in China um, no one was asked no one yeah. was asked he'd he been at the club five years but when he was sold it was almost a relief and yeah his tragic death has brought out some emotion about a player and some, some great memories but when when a player who's not done out for you for three years leaves it's not an event I don't know why people are in, in uproar
1: when no, I, I suppose it's size or just just frame it again, it's it's more the fact people are saying that because you, you couldn't play against her on Sunday as a lone player. Um. Now we can play against her.
2: Do you think you will? I, I, I don't know. Well, I'll
1: answer that myself before I go to Norman. I hope he does play against her. He's, hard, he's hardly played a game of football yeah. in, in, five, in three years. Fucking stick him in there. Shoot. <laughs> shoot on sight. I don't know, Like you, I think, he was, I think he's a, a good player. He's a good lad. He, he lived very close to you, in fact, I believe, or your parents, Sian um, um. Yeah, well- one
2: Christmas day his his girlfriend was from Bedleton and um, he'd obviously gone to visit her grandad who lived next door to my grandma (laughs) so on Christmas day I was visiting my grandma and uh, that was Tim Krull pulling up his massive Range Rover (laughs) Merry Christmas Tim (laughs) great great memories he was was a really nice bloke obviously but I'm not upset at all it's not the same as when when, when you sell a player like Kabai um, when he's at the top of his game when you lose Denver Bar when he's at the top of his game when you sell Carroll even though we've got silly money for Andy Carroll you're upset when you lose a player who's who's part of the team and who's a, who's a big player. You're not upset when
1: when so, you lose a player who's, who's yeah. A- so so you're not. You, would you say the same? Like I'm saying, I hope I hope he does play this Sunday. I think because if if Brighton are that um, lacking in confidence in their number one goalkeeper who they bought this summer. That they want to put um, a lad in who's hardly kicked a ball or, or touched a ball in yeah. in three years, then I think it's great. But a lot of people, Norman, have passed over to you. Are you gonna Are you gonna take the other side in this, or do you agree with side Because a lot of people are unhappy that we've potentially strengthened a rival ahead of a, a key game on Sunday, when we're in theory allegedly could have just waited until Monday morning. Um,
3: I want to agree with the period. Yeah, I couldn't care less. The reality is. <laughs> As I said, he's barely played. I mean, what he played, I think he played eight games under McLaren before getting injured. So that's what two seasons ago. Yeah. Um, ability-wise, he, he hasn't moved on since 2012. Um, whether that's to, you know a, a combination of bad coaching and his unfortunate injuries, he couldn't get in under the bench at Ajax. He played for the reserve team. Um, he didn't do particularly well at Um He's he hasn't played under Rafa, he hasn't ever been part of Rafa's squad, um, I'm, I'm not bothered that he's gone, and that don't want to sound cruel because he was brilliant for, for a period like, like you said, but it doesn't really matter, and uh, as you see Alex, if he's in goal on Sunday, like, what, what does it matter? He's not going to produce a worldie all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. I uh, I think we can put that one to bed then pretty easily, um, might just be a lot of social media noise about it. You know, there's, there's still the argument if Bolland was here, um, he would be making the case that Tim Krull is still our best goalkeeper. Something we've kinda of debated to, to death now on the podcast at the start of the season, so we'll not go through that again. Um but you know, Rob Elliott, I, you know we're not, we're not we're not his biggest fans, but he's he's kept um what well, two clean sheets and been part of a winning team, so I don't think there's a he's been playing football. Like you can't yeah. compare a player who
2: doesn't who doesn't ever play to to someone in a team as much as we uh as we are critical of, of the, the current number one and would like to see a better goalkeeper, you can't say that Tim Cole's better based on zero performances. Like.
1: Yeah. Just really quickly before we get on to the Brighton game itself, lads. Um, Norman, if I come to you first on this one, after the game at the weekend, there's been an outpouring of emotion, quite rightly, on social media about this group and how hard they try and how there are no... There's just none of what we've put up with since 2000... Well, since maybe even the days of Keegan because you look at that Robson side and there were egos and arseholes amongst them you know your Bellamy's and Dyer's and J- Genus a little bit and etc etc and definitely since then there's always been arseholes or, t- or players in the team that's been really hard to connect with whereas this team is so likeable and I, t- I totally agree and you know we've put a lot of that out for a long time and you know I mentioned the match report on True Faith so I mentions it and his previews for True Faith Norman mentions it and his writing for True Faith so we've been banging that drum for a long time from last season. My kind of like open-ended question, Norman, would be like, is it just me, or if people only started to notice that because we've started winning in the Premier League? Whereas I've I've, I've felt like that. I felt like this is a team. If in fact, every single team under Rafa Benitez um, since the start of the Championship season, every single game, even though even in games we've played badly, I've never seen any player give less than one hundred percent. So Norman, A, would you agree with that? And B, if you do, why do you think it's taken a lot of people, in the media as well, but some fans, to kind of, why does it take winning to start noticing that? Because effort and ability, in my opinion, it's not just about winning.
3: I agree, but um, obviously with, with social media and, and 24-7 exposure to uh, football news, if we lose, it's, it's blown out of proportion like incredibly quickly. And then if we win, it's blown out of proportion incredibly quickly. So we lost our first couple of games of the season. Um, you know, we'd didn't get the signings we wanted. We're going to get relegated. We're going to struggle. And then within or two wins after that, I mean, three now, but, you know, after the last uh, uh, game, things to get better immediately. And then we beat Swansea away. And everything's fantastic at the moment. It'll probably take two consecutive defeats and would be, in the, you know, people would be in the door rooms on social media again. Um, that's that's one of the reasons. It's just the, the constant exposure to uh, to football and everyone having an opinion. Um, the other thing I'd say is, with regards to the new signings, I mean, how much research was carried out by by the press yeah. really as that we've signed? Um, it, there wasn't really any kind of in depth articles available on them when we signed them, and I think I think their ability has taken a lot of a lot of people in the in the, the press by surprise. Um, and if I suppose if the media is coming out and saying, you know, you guys are going to struggle, you guys are going to struggle, they haven't really signed anyone, people are reading this and that's that's the kind of, that, that's going to become, the, the media's narrative is going to become other people's narrative. And um, I think these three wins, are, like you say, all of a sudden the media have, uh, have kind of caught on. The fact that actually we're not as bad as what, uh, as what it was originally thought and the confidence is there now. And, the fans are just picking up on the buzz, and um, I think we, we've, we've always said, like you see, that the, the this, this group of players, that are the determined, they'll put everything into a match, um, but I think people have just, uh, unfortunately, just swallowed a bit of the media narrative that we're going to get relegated, and it's only now that they're realising that we're actually alright.
1: Yeah, and I suppose the point I'm getting at isn't that um, us or people listening to this or whatever recognised it first. It was. It was just more that I, I didn't see that much difference in the performances at Huddersfield and Swansea. We're definitely better at Swansea. Don't get us wrong. We played better. We're offensively were far better. But I, it was also a harder game at Huddersfield. Uh, Matt was getting beat. Of course they yeah. are. Uh, is is the grass green outside? Um, like so. It, it is just a kind of. I suppose it's just a, a kind of out loud thought where it's like, I think. I think we'll we'll show those traits of hardworking. Um, you know, kind of game intelligence even when we get beat and it's maybe like you say, sections of the media and sections of support should probably try and recognise a bit more because I thought the meltdown after Huddersfield from other members of this podcast so we're, we're not absolving you know every blame uh, here was, was ridiculous. That, that, that car journey home for us, side from Huddersfield was a great example because the other lads were essentially just going nuts saying my shit and it was like yeah. no watch the game that the, the team still gave everything. And it's and it's I don't know. Do you agree?
2: No, I totally agree. I think I think anyone who's who's surprised by what they're seeing from the the we're into the third a third season of Rafa Benitez. Um, or, or have you not been paying attention? Like, yeah. first of all, well, last season, like he did the exact same thing. Um, he bought a load of players, quite quite young, the likes of Isaac Hayden, Nobody really knew anything about him, which which Norm's just alluded to, and yet. Within weeks, we'll realise why Rafa Benitez has assigned them because of the character, the kind of the work rate. These are Rafa Benita signings. There's no way any of the new lads aren't in the same mould. Um, second of all, last season we lost for first two games. Mm-hmm. Like as a, again, if there's no one being paying attention to what to what Rafa does, like he doesn't just lose a game and then come out the next week without having learned something. Like just, we just improves players. It's just it's it's mental that people can't see what's happening with this bloke at the club now
1: it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who got rough for many years yeah 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 I think I think I've just look for that which is kind of just something I've been thinking about so you've seen I think NUFC 360 again I referenced them last time Um, made the point that they're, they're seeing like loads more objectives in the media like you know um, together you know together hard work and all that and it's like yeah like we say where, where, where have you been lads it's, it's been like this way for 18 months Um, right we should talk about the game then <laughs> the game that we're doing a, a podcast preview for Brighton and Hove Albion away. Um, I'm slightly looking forward to this one. Um, like I mentioned before, the highlight of last season for me, it just it ticked so many boxes. We came back from behind. We were outplayed them. We're the better team by a mile, in my opinion, and we, we, we thoroughly deserved that game. And really, you know, no one wants to be arrogant. the The win at Huddersfield was massive as well. Um, days later, but we got promoted that night for me, as soon as the final whistle, whistle when I was there with Richie Smith, I just said that's, that's it we're done, we are, we're We're out of this league um, so we'll go back into it, Si um, how how do you see it going, and I'm going to pose the question to you very deliberately last time we went to Brighton we had 55% possession we had twice as many shots as them we had more corners than them we had more clear cut chances than them um and they committed more fouls so that was us very much we imposed ourselves on that game after they went 1-0 up yeah we, domi- saying- we dominated the game we don't play like that anymore so do you, like how do you see it going? because i don't know the answer to this one and i won't on sunday will we play this game like we've played the other games this season or will it be a little bit more like last season we'll play
2: this game exactly how we played the other games this season unless we go one and down and then we'll change tactics yeah. because that's what we do that's what rafa does um he will he'll will, he'll respect the other team he'll he'll do exactly what he's done so far this season I'd expect let them have the ball let them do what they want I mean Brighton have done the same as the they've bought uh, and the same as Middlesbrough I've seen they've bought a bunch of foreign players that no one's heard of <laughs> so have we but, like us. <laughs> but at least we've bought Spanish lads who Rafa can communicate with and, and kind of there's, there's obviously some you've got far more faith than anyone that Rafa Benitez has said yeah we'll have him anyway um, they've bought a load of players that don't seem to be adding much to them they look they look weak, um, so it's it's on paper. You think it, we should we should we should be miles ahead of them, but Rafa would not just go out and, as you've just said, take the game and dominate them unless we
1: we'll go behind and have to do that. Do you think? Do you think that's that's why it was? You know, do you think like that, that do you think we will actually approach the game the same this season? We just went one 0 down last time. Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely.
1: That's interesting. I'd not considered that one. Norman, same question to you. How do you think we'll set up?
3: Because um, I initially thought, oh well, we'll set up as we have done this season. You know, Brighton are at home. The Premier League's all new to them. They may come out. They've had um, they haven't done particularly well in the league. They may just you know they just go full throttle from from um, from kickoff. But then I, then I started looking at the uh, possession stats for this season, and it's been relatively balanced, um, other than against Man City and Bournemouth who are, who are both teams that are you know that kind of renowned for having playing possession football, but. The, the, the game that they beat West Brom in 3 1 at home they actually had less possession than West Brom. So yeah. That really surprised me. Um, so that got me thinking well, Houghton, I think uh, you two obviously know this as well, in the Premier League with Norwich, with us, and it looks like it so far with Brighton, he does tend to set up very defensively. So I'd like to think that um, we will just go straight for them from the kickoff and bang an early goal in. I can I can see I can see that and I can see us hitting them from, from the attack, from the off, getting an early goal, and then I, I really think that they'll struggle to uh, get anything from us after that. I think it's going to be a, a tight, and this is an early prediction: a tight one 0 win to us.
1: Yeah, that is an early prediction. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, it's a hard one because the, the way we like Swansea and Huddersfield were only away games so far, and they were like we playing much better at at, um, at Swansea and. We did, we did what we've kind of done in home games. We went through spells in that game of pressing high, of harrying. We also went through spells of sitting very deep. And like you say, I could probably see it being the same this time, si. um, What? And I suppose it's this kind of... We, we we are far more likely to get carried away by things because we're football fans and that's our job to get carried away. If you can't get carried away at your castle winning three games in a row, you've Steve Claridge on Five Live being miserable um Like that's what we're supposed to do. I'm sure the players and Rafa Benitez won't be getting carried away at all. um And it's like it's almost like if we're if we're going to be a top a top ten team, which I'm not saying I'm not saying we are. I think we will be, but there's plenty evidence and arguments to say that probably not be the case as well. It's like should we be going to Brighton and thinking we need it? Well, we'll, we'll obviously be going to Brighton thinking we need to take something from the game, but. From the performances, the dominance against West Ham, the dominance against Stoke, we were miles better than Stoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dominance against and and we also very comfortable against Swansea. And despite Swansea's one golden chance they had, we will we we made more chances against them. I'm just wondering if it would be nice to see us continue that domination of games. Swansea wasn't dominant, but it was we were certainly the better team. And in Brighton, without doubt, in my opinion, are the worst set of teams of those I've just mentioned. Definitely. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. Side team selection wise, um, you know what we, we kind of spoke on the preview last week, saying that um, you know we're we're starting to get a, a central group of lads. We could see him potentially keeping the exact same team again. What does he do? He goes and changes uh, both fullbacks. <laughs> do you do you, What's going to happen this week, and What do you think Rafa will do?
2: Um, I mean I still struggle to get my head around why why the fullback changes. It obviously, work but. Um, you you know I mean I I don't buy this Rafa Rafa loves to rotate the squad I think he likes to find his best players and get them on the pitch like it, it took a while last season to, to to kind of work out what that was and there was reasons to rotate rotate players around uh, international breaks and stuff but generally speaking once he's got a squad he wants to play with he, he sticks to it um, there's no way Hoster isn't going to start again because he's been doing so well
1: well but, it, it, interestingly Brighton is the game last year that threw up the biggest Rafa. Team selection when Johan Gouffran yeah. started up front by himself, and he left, he left Mitro Richard home. He didn't even put Mitro Richard in the bench. He went Gouffran and Murphy. Gouffran had a great game; should have scored at least one. Murphy, one of the best 15 minute cameos I've ever seen, changed the game. Um, so it worked. So yeah, you're right that you're saying there isn't a chance Hasseluu, but he obviously Gill was injured, but he clearly fancied last season. And I'm not making the argument here; I'm just posing the question. He clearly fancied Gouffran's pace. against their back four so you know it could be it could be dwight gale back in or could it not be
2: (laughs) Uh, i I mean yeah it's rafa Uh, one thing i love about having rafa as manager is when you get a curveball like that like goof on up front yeah you're not sitting there thinking bloody mclaren like when like when mclaren
1: put riviera in for his last like a suicide note team selection against Bournemouth. (laughs)
2: you're not thinking well that's it we're done here you're thinking i wonder why he's done that and you're intrigued and you want to see what happens so yeah, I, I mean, I I don't think the team will change. Maybe the fullbacks will change. Who knows? But everyone played so well on a, against against uh, Stoke that I, I find it hard to see a, a changed eleven. Anyway.
1: Yeah, Norman. There's there's that social media clamouring um for Shelby to get a game, and it's the kind of typical article in in the local press. It's like, you know, will John Joe Shelby get paired with Marino this weekend? Like you seem to think so. It's not going to happen, is it?
3: CYH group. The, the fact is that Marino and Hayden in the uh, in these three these three consecutive victories have been fucking fantastic, and Hayden has just got better with each game after having a kind of relatively slow start. I mean, you know, we didn't have a particularly fast start. Nobody did really there the first two games, but Hayden's he just seems to be growing and growing the role And Roland, obviously, the understanding between him and Marino is is fantastic, um, and as as good as Shelby is. Um, I, I don't see. I don't see why you would want to break up the um, the Hayden Marino partnership at the moment. And and uh, again, um, the argument for pushing one of them up to the Ie Marino into the number ten role and putting Shelby in, because um, as as you as you've said before, Shelby wouldn't work in the number ten role. I told you the fact that he's no. far too slow. Um, I don't think you can change the way they're playing at the moment. That kind of that three, the um, Marino Hayden and Perez in front of them, and with. With regards to the, um picking possibly Gale up front, i.e., based on Gufran last season, last season we looked really dangerous against them when Murphy came on for Gufran. Yeah. So, in terms of a centre forward, I think I'd, I'd still rather see Hasselup up front as well.
1: Yeah, so would I probably. I was just I'm just trying to kind of second guess guess them a little bit, but it's um, it's it's certainly it's certainly a, uh, like the fact that Hasselup's come in for five million quid and is now just by far and away the first choice is, is a great example of just how good a signing he's been. I know he's only scored one goal, but he he really he could have had four or five. And it's as long as he keeps getting those chances, I'm, I'm sure he will start burying them. Um, Norman, I don't know how much of Brighton you've seen this season. We've got a Brighton fan, Clive, coming on uh, after us three are finished here. Do you, do you think they're up to much? Obviously that win against West Brom was was massive since then two defeats at an average Bournemouth side. So, you know, is it, is, is it a game which we're, that you would take a point in or do you think now we're, we're better than these? Um, so
3: you, you said before, any way game in the Premier League, you, you would take a point, but um, I think that, in, in you were me- mentioned there, you know, what kind of, um, how we'll possibly play the game if we'll go after them or if we'll kind of play how we play played in the last few games. I would like to see us attack them from the off purely because I've looked through that squad and I've looked at some of our stats on this season and they're just not very good. That's the reality. Um we're we're a better side than them, and I and I'd like to think that we can go there. I'm, I'm massively I'm I'm tempted for it massively yeah. But um I, I really think that if we if we go if we, if we go after them, we get a goal in, I don't think they can oh, they'll offer anything back. They're um they're quite ineffective up front. If you look at the they haven't really signed a centre forward. Um Hemed's goal, goal scoring record isn't too clever. Murray is a championship player, that's as simple as that. They've um, saying this Colombian kid, Izquierdo, who is, you know, he's a quick left winger, um, who could possibly cause some 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 damage, but then again if Yedon's playing his pace is going to be utterly ineffective against them. So I, I would like to think that we'll um, we'll we'll go there. And you know, you see Rafa doesn't play for draws. I think this is definitely one that um, he'll have he'll have his eye on getting the three points from and, I, and I'm confident we can do it as well.
1: Sorry, do you share Norman conf- uh, Norman's confidence and also do you feel that Andrea Mariner after sending Shelby off this season is uh, is one to watch.
2: <laughs> yeah, the only way we'll 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 not take the three points is if some, some hilarity ensues, a penalty or a, a red card. Um Rafa doesn't draw games unless he absolutely has to. I'm
1: trying to I'm trying to think. you're right from the first half of last season, but we did draw a few was Bristol City at home. We Drew, booming, booming well,
2: away. We, we, we definitely lost more games than we Drew. Oh, I we did, yeah, yeah, we right did, numbers, right, yeah. Not,
1: not many teams who win the league do that. No, it's, no. Fair enough.
2: Sorry, can I ask you a quick
3: question? Do you think that the, the psychology um, of the fact that Brighton won the championship last season and we finished second, <laughs> do you think that'll impact on our players?
1: This is something I was going to ask uh, Clive later as well. Um, Obviously, Brighton winning the league as they did, um, you know, probably gives them a little bit of an edge, but doesn't really matter. Because I thought we were the best team in the league anyway last season. Even if Brighton were ultimately crowned champions um, by the media, um, and you know, even even recently, a couple of weeks ago, Adrian Durham, uh, when he was absolutely laying into Rafa, saying you know we're going to get relegated and all this kind of stuff, uh, made the very good point that Newcastle didn't actually win the league. Brighton lost it. <laughs> so that, that probably as well puts a bit more pressure on us since we, even though we won it, we didn't actually win it because they, 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 they were on the piss for, for three weeks apparently. Um, but yeah, that's something that Rafa and the lads... You know, maybe Andrea Andre Mariner will go easy on us <laughs> for a change because of that, so, you know, who knows. Um, sorry si, si, you're back in the win here. Definitely, 2 nil. Two 0 Newcastle. Uh, no one. What are you saying? What you? Saying? In fact, you've already said it. One 0
3: Yep. One 0 Early goal. We'll get a goal. I've, I've got a feeling we're gonna get a goal in the first twenty minutes, and I think that um, we're gonna we're gonna control the game. We might have less possession than them. They might have more shots than us from you know from thirty five yards, but
1: I just think we're gonna we're gonna go one up. We're gonna control the game. One thing I can't predict with absolute precision. Brighton would be Zonal Morgan. <laughs> I tell you that now. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> um. I'll be a little bit negative, and I think I mean I'm going to the match, so I, th- I do think we'll win. Because I didn't, if I didn't think we'll win, I wouldn't go to the match. But I'm kind of leaning towards a draw here because, and I, I think it'll be one of those where we'll ha- we'll we're, we're, we're better than Stoke by a mile, but we still could have drew the game, uh, or even lost it. We we're better than Swansea, but we could have easily lost or drew. So that's kind of two games in a bounce where things things have gone our way, and I wouldn't necessarily call it luck but with the games being as close as they were us missing chances them missing chances Lascelles' genius clearance off the line Alfie Mawson missing a header from two yards um you know Stoke missing that headed chance Rob Elliott side
2: I think the opposite I think you've just described how um we're absolutely batted Stoke and yet only won the game 2-1 and could have thrown away some points um I think this could be a game where it, it comes together rather than that that's not everything going our way. That's everything nearly not going our way. <laughs> everything going our way. It'll be when they, when it comes together like it did like last season. Q P R would would win a lot of games like one one goal two goal, and Then we went to Q P R and just absolutely tore them a new one, and just went went nuts and scored six. This could happen. So, <laughs> I, like that, I <laughs> but, like that. Sorry, I like
1: that. What 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 I was gonna say. I, I can see us kind of doing what what Norman said and dominating the game and being one to look for large periods, missing chances and then them punishing where I don't know, I, I suppose I'm just trying to add a little bit of negativity into the mix because we're so positive these days. Yeah. Um, dead quickly though, I would love to win the game for so many reasons. The drive back from Brighton will be much easier, I tell everyone that now cause I'm driving back straight after the match. Um, if we uh, if we win, but if we win, taking away this weekend, it just sets up Liverpool to be just the absolute... I know. We might even have a chance to go on top of the league man, if we beat Liverpool and beat Brighton. Um, you know we've got a massive Gallagher flags display planned we've got some brand new stuff which I'll keep under wraps for now um, which will be absolutely explosive um, we can't wait in a positive way um, and, and but I don't mean pyrotechnics there that sounds like everyone's bringing flares don't bring flares to the Liverpool game um, and it's like obviously Liverpool have got Leicester away uh, this, this Saturday night they've got CSK Moscow I think away on next Wednesday or something yeah well we've just got Brighton um, <laughs> We've just got Brighton, we've had a week off this week I just, I would, I would love to win the game for so many reasons But like that week, next week Before Liverpool, if we win this game It's just going to be like, this, the game sold out It like, went online on, on public sale Or member sale, and it just sold out straight away So it's just going to be one of them games Four o'clock on Sky um, Two weeks in a row actually, four, 4 o'clock on Sky that's, It'll just be, I don't know I'm like a kid at Christmas thinking about it but We'll have to get there first against Brighton We'll have to do with the business against Brighton then think about beating Liverpool. Um, yeah, uh, Lars yeah, Sorry, go on, say.
2: No, I'll, I'll be I'll be disappointed if we, if we don't win win this game because I think we've, we've touched on, on the fixture list being quite kind, but there there are going to come points in the season, but we don't want to start start getting negative. But you know we're going to get some injuries. We're going the squad's not that we've got a little bit of competition, but you know a couple of injuries and we'll we'll look a bit thin and we'll we'll go through bad spells. Last season, even with even with full team out, we, we dropped points and went through a couple of wobbles. It'll happen, so I want the I want the the run to go on as long as possible. So three <laughs> wins is great, but three, four, five wins it, it gives you a bit of slack. Where if you lose a couple of games, you don't have the meltdown. Yeah. Whereas if we lose a couple of games now, as uh, yeah. uh, as Norman said earlier, two losses suddenly puts right two, back to two me.
1: two losses and the most likable team we've ever had or we've seen in a yeah. long time become par- partly useless assholes. Yeah. That's just the way so it goes. If isn't we,
2: if we can get a couple more wins, it gives that team the it takes that pressure away. Where you you can afford a couple of defeats, you can you can then crack on the rest of the season without worrying about what happens if we lose a couple here.
1: Yeah. No one, anything yeah. else to add before we finish?
3: I think, um, I, you know, I think we'll win feeling really positive about it. I think, um, but I know we are a better side than Brenton. obviously it just depends on how things go on the day. Um, I think we'll win, but um, I won't be disappointed if we don't lose. That's it.
1: Baz, this has been the True Faith Podcast. Thank you very much for your time um we'll be back with you probably monday uh for the the long podcast after brighton uh thanks to everybody who's been retweeting the show really appreciate that um the numbers this season have continued to grow and are very good so i hope you enjoy what we're putting out there um it's uh you know i was listening to some of the old episodes the other day under like carver and that and we've, we've come a long way <laughs> as a football club and as a podcast uh, so i'll leave you now with my, my chat with uh clive brighton fan um uh and thanks for listening we will be back with you soon cheers so we're joined as usual now by our opposition fan uh for the week ahead of the game this sunday um joined on the line by uh Clive um Kentoff who joins us uh, clive thanks very much for joining us are you looking forward to the game this weekend yeah
4: i am i'm not actually going to it myself but um i'm i'm looking forward to it certainly yeah i've just been really excited about the whole season so far but a bit worried about it as well <laughs>
1: I mean that's a great place to start. You know, looking at a lot of the media coverage of Brighton, because um, we were in the same league last year. But I've probably learnt more about yeah. Brighton in these opening couple of weeks of the season Than I did the whole of last year, because of the journey the football club's been on in, since the early nineties. Can you just fill in the fans, listen a little bit about how far Brighton have come in in the last twenty yeah, years? Yeah, well, I um I first moved to Sussex in the early seventies
4: when I was kind of ten or eleven. Went to my first game in seventy two which was Brighton beating Rochdale to get promoted from what was then Division 2 behind Aston Villa. And we've had so many ups and downs over the years. Uh, But obviously the biggest down was when uh, Bill Archer, the chairman at the time, kind of bought the club and then sold it and culminating in us, going along to, I went to a game against Doncaster Rovers, which was the last ever game at our ground, the Goldstone ground, before it was being bulldozed down and turned into a shopping centre, so Bill Archer could make lots of money. And I don't know what that would be like for you guys, but just imagine going to a game knowing that that was the last ever game at St. James's Park, and we all invaded the pitch at the end and took turf, not quite knowing what the hell would happen. Uh, And of course now, all these years later, after all sorts of strange ups and downs. We had two years sharing a ground at Gillingham, uh, which was miles away. Then we had 10 or 11 years at a temporary athletics ground. And eventually, thanks to Tony Bloom, our new chairman at the time, we eventually got the stadium that, of course, you visited last year. So it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride, and at one point, you know, we literally went to Hereford away, and if we hadn't won that game, we'd have dropped out of the whole of the football league. I mean, we were second to bottom of the, what was then Division Three or whatever. So it's been you know, quite an up and down time. Interesting club to support. You don't <laughs> ever have a season of mediocrity in the middle of the table. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> and you know, you mentioned uh, Tony Bloom there. I don't know much about him. Is he, is he just a fan done well, or is he? Is he yeah, yeah. Um,
4: yeah, his family. I mean, his uncle I think was a was a shareholder and a director years ago. Um, yeah, he's kind of a local local lad. So he's one of the kind of last remaining kind of local millionaires who's supporting his football club. He made his money through online betting. Uh, he's only in his kind of forties. Got a young family. He sits with the fans. He's thrown millions of pounds into the club, both to help build the stadium and now get us to where we are, uh, and we're just really grateful we've got somebody like that rather than you know Chinese investors or whatever. so um,
1: oh my gosh Lee. I know
4: I know you've got your own problems with a British millionaire, but our one is we love him <laughs>
1: yeah um, I mean, so 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 moving on to to the football side of things, I presume mm. all Brighton fans would be delighted with seventeenth place, or is there maybe is there any higher ambitions in that? or is it definitely? Oh a, God, a no, no,
4: I think at the start of the season, if you said to any of us, we'll finish fourth from bottom on goal difference, we'd take that now. I mean, it's I think this season it's just about surviving, and we've all been thinking, well, who are the three sides that could be worse than us, and it, it's you know, some of one of which of course was what we thought would be Huddersfield, but actually they started pretty well. So I will be very happy just surviving. Yeah. And it was very very interesting. I went to the obviously I went to the first game, the Man City game, and you know, we were all really excited about it, but they absolutely destroyed us. I mean it was it just opened our eyes to exactly what the top teams in the Premier League are like. They were faster, they were fitter, they were quicker, they were so organised. And although, you know, we lost because we just basically put 10 men behind the ball just trying to keep the score down. But uh, at that point it was like, Jesus, we've just got to find four or five teams we can be above and that's it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose the start, the, you, got a, you got a huge win um, a couple of weeks back against West Brom yeah, yeah the West
4: Brom I missed that one the West Brom game was a good win uh, yeah so we started off losing to Man City as you'd expect then we lost away at Leicester then we scraped to nil 0 against 10 men against Watford so we kind of I mean I don't know what your admissions are we're just picking off the games that we think we should get a draw or a win and you know when we get to play Arsenal and Man United we just kind of you know know we're probably going to lose. So the disappoint, the only really disappointing one so far was Bournemouth away last, uh, well, the last game. I mean, that's the sort of game we have to win or draw to to make sure we're getting enough points, and, and we lost that one. Interestingly, we lost that one, I think, because we played too defensively, which I know is something you guys might know a bit about with Chris Hutton. But um, I think we're going to have to attack a bit more in our away games.
1: Well, that's definitely get enough it.
4: points. I think we'll do all right at home. Um, I mean, the fact that we could beat West Brom three-one, you know, I think there's a, if we can win nine or ten home games, that would be good.
1: Oh yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, I, I, I was going to touch on Chris Sutton. You know, he's still hugely um, hugely popular amongst the Newcastle fans. He's actually up here sixth uh, of October, I think, doing a talk in at the Wallsend um, Boys Club. For anyone who's listening who wants to buy a ticket, oh, there are right. still tickets available. Nice of him to come up and and talk, um, but yeah, the 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 content. I mean, not any Castle fans didn't want to lose his job. There was no no pressure on him from the fan base when he was sacked. here. I think we're in thirteenth place. We've been on a bad run, but we're taking some some pretty bad beatings actually. But I mean, it's a long time. It was seven years ago now. So wow. you, you can you can well I would presume he's moved on a little bit as a coach. But I was going to ask you the question: Is there any circumstances you think Hooten would lose his job this season? say brighton would it um, i mean he, would he is he is very
4: popular and he's and he, and you know he's very very close to tony bloom the chairman and between them you know they've helped develop the club he's been instrumental in setting up our new training grounds so he's really he's a lovely guy everyone really likes him our only worry is he doesn't like most of the team he doesn't have a huge amount of premier league experience And he does have a bit of reputation for being quite negative and defensive. And so, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, unless we're kind of bottom at Christmas, I I can't see in a million years that he'd lose his job. Um, But there's just a little bit of rumbling that we need to attack more and we need to be a bit more positive. We tend to start games quite defensively and only really attack more as we get into the second half. There's been a few grumblings that he doesn't make particularly imaginative substitutions and he tends to make them a bit late. But, I mean, generally, his record is just amazing. I mean, he's taken us where we are. And he does it really quietly and in a very, you know, as you'll know, there's no histrionics from him. He's just a a nice guy, honest guy who's doing a good job.
1: I totally agree, but it's quite funny there with that. That substitution comment was um, funny to hear again after seven years because, yeah, we always used to make a joke. That um, you know, you wouldn't even contemplate making a sub before the sixty-fifth minute, regardless of how badly yeah. the game was going. Um, yeah, yeah. So moving on to the game. And I've been to a few games, particularly away. I can't remember. If it
4: was it QPR away when we were winning? And you know, twenty minutes to go, he takes off a forward and brings on a whole midfield <laughs> player, and it's like, oh, oh, god! I know what's going to happen for the next twenty minutes. We're just going to be defending, defending, defending. But you know, the results speak for themselves at
1: the moment. Yeah, absolutely, and. Moving on to the game this weekend, do you um, is this one you think Brighton fans, you and Brighton fans, you know, have earmarked as a as, as a potential chance to get three, you know, needed points?
4: I think I think so. Yeah, I mean, if we're to survive, we've got to be able to be who we think are going to be the teams that are kind of fourteenth downwards when we're at home. And with due respect, I probably would put Newcastle in that kind of fourteenth, fifteenth at the end of the season type
1: of position so feels like it might be a draw to me but I hope we win um, yeah of course I mean I, I, I've, I've you know listeners will have already heard me say I'm probably going towards the draw obviously I had a fantastic night down in, in March so I've got happy memories of the Amex. Um mm. but you know from, from Brighton's perspective in terms of the pressure on this game if, if Brighton were to lose this we'd be 8 points ahead of you which is already yeah. You know, I know it's only yeah. late September, but it's it's a, it's a big gap in the Premier League to pull back from what you say. Yeah, from a, you yeah. Know, I think a lot of Newcastle fans would be happy with fourteenth, fifteenth. Um, I know, there's a lot. So many Castle fans. We we think we might finish a little bit higher, but um yeah, it's, de- it's definitely a big game, and I can see why Sky have chosen it from from that perspective. Um I suppose it's just all the left cloud Do you want to give us a prediction for the game?
4: I'll go for one one.
1: One one same as me. That's what I predicted. <laughs> um, so, Clive, just uh, thank you very much for joining us uh, on behalf of our okay. listeners, and uh, you know we might speak to you again for the return leg this season.
4: Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. That'd
5: be good. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.